In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was a interview in 2012 in Rolling Stone ma- uh, magazine uh, with Bob Dylan uh, that was pretty epic. Did any of you read it a few years ago, this interview in Rolling Stone magazine with uh, Bob Dylan? Um, in the interview, he, uh, at every turn, at just about every question, at least the the, the final two-thirds about, he just hands it to the interviewer. I mean, he basically says in every answer to his question, I disagree with your question. <laughs> I disagree with the sort of intent that's behind uh, what you're thinking uh, and gets and, and, and completely changes the direction of the interview. Um, just as an, for an instance, the kind of thing that he says, uh, just to give you an idea of how long it is, I went on my computer to print it out, the online version on my HP inkjet printer, it was 64 pages. I mean, it wasn't that long in the Rolling Stone magazine, but that's how long it appears when you print it online. Um, so, but just as a for instance, as a piece of that, he says, when you ask some of your questions, you're asking them to a person who's long dead. You're asking them to a person that doesn't exist. But people make that mistake about me all the time. I've lived through a lot. Have you ever heard of a book called No Man Knows My History? It's about Joseph Smith, the Mormon prophet. That title could refer to me. Uh, And then he says this, uh, transfiguration. And earlier in the interview, he talks about how he's basically been transfigured uh, and what that means for him, uh, spiritually speaking. He says, transfiguration is what allows you to crawl out from under the chaos and fly above it. That's how I can still do what I do and write the songs I sing and just keep moving on. Um, and so what you have with someone like Bob Dylan now in his 70s, um, but you, you have to imagine he's been like this for a while, but especially now in his 70s in, a, in an interview like this, um, he just he sees the, the, the fluff and the lies and the banter of the world and just isn't having it anymore. Um, he just wants to talk with honesty about the truth, and that's what what he and that's basically what he calls for himself transfiguration. But the most important thing about it, just shelve that word because we think it, it means something else. But the most important thing in describing himself is he says, "This has allowed me to to crawl out from under the chaos and fly above it, the chaos of the world." The dishonesty, you know, the, the, the things that are either out there in the media or just, I mean, just watch TV and watch TV commercials. My gosh, that's the, the chaos and lies of the world writ large. But even just in exchanges that we have with people, you know, day-to-day trivial exchanges, he wants to crawl up from under it and fly above it and see it with honesty. And maybe you know someone like this in your life, um, it might be an older, wiser person, maybe not. Uh, and sometimes it can be difficult to interact with such a person, can it? I mean, um, not the kind of person you want to bring to your cocktail party <laughs> because that's just an environment where it is nothing but sort of meaningless banter for the most part. There, uh, there is a, a mentor of mine, uh, Edward Salmon, Ed Salmon, Bishop Salmon, uh, who uh, oversaw my ordination process and, uh, and ordained me. Um, who's a lot like this. Some of you have probably gotten to know him. He's come here before uh, as a Lenten um, preacher. He's a lot like uh, this sort of persona that uh, Bob Dylan embodies. And, and, and Bishop Salmon's into, I think, his 80s now, and, and he just he has none of it. I mean, he, 
He only wants to speak with honesty. And he's been like this for a long time. For example, I remember when I was first starting out in pastoral ministry, and I asked him, uh, you know, can you give me, I, th- I think I was telling him about a particular interaction, and I said, can you give me some advice? And he said, the best thing I can tell you is, is to know yourself. And I thought, come on, really, know yourself? That seems so, it just wasn't what I was expecting from him. I was expecting something profound and Christological, and he said, the best thing I can tell you is to know yourself. Um, and uh, and he's actually right, though. Um, to, what he meant then that I see now is to see myself with honesty. And when I can see myself with honesty, I can preach uh, to you with honesty and I can interact in the world uh, with with honesty and, and have something to say that is truthful. And he, he does this to me all the time. He was here a year ago uh, for a, a small meeting we had. And he and I were out in Clingman Commons. I hadn't, hadn't seen him for a while. And I was just sort of shooting the breeze with him a little bit. And you know there's that awkward moment when you drop your sermon notes. You know when there's that awkward moment and you're just kind of like, so, <laughs> I'm going to go over here. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't know what else to say. I basically did that to him. I said, you know, uh, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And he said, I've got nowhere to go. And, you know, and I said, what do you do? You You know, you just you you stay there and you keep talking to him. Um, And and that was great for him uh, to do. Um, Well, John the Baptist is a lot like Bob Dylan um, in that interview and a lot like Bishop Salmon uh, and even more so. I mean, to the extent that Bob Dylan is and Bishop Salmon uh, are are honest people um, who speak the truth in ways that are often really uncomfortable, John the Baptist is even more so. And look at this story that we had about, uh, with, with respect to him, John the Baptist, and Herod, and Herodias, and, uh, and, and, and Herod's reaction, their reaction, Herodias's reaction, we read elsewhere in the other Gospels, um, that because of John the Baptist's rebuke on Herod, especially with respect to his relationship to Herodias, um, uh, she wanted his head to be cut off, and it was, and, and served on a platter. Um, sometimes when we learn the truth about ourselves, or someone exposes the truth about ourselves that we want to sort of go on continuing to lie about or say lies to ourselves about when it's exposed uh, by a particular individual, some like Bob Dylan or someone like Bishop Salmon out there in Clingman Commons or uh, someone like John the Baptist, we want to cut their head off. Uh, just get rid of that person because it is so dang uncomfortable. Um, and even though uh, this um, happened because, as this passage here says in this translation today, Her- Herod was reproved by John the Baptist. We also hear that John the Baptist was, for the most part, preaching good news. Um, that in this truth there is good news, even though it might not seem or or feel like it, uh, and to many people it doesn't sound like it, uh, he, he had a message of good news, and that message of good news was one of repentance, that you can repent. And what does that mean? If anything, it means acknowledging the honest reality about yourself, the, the truth, the kinds of things that make us uncomfortable about people like uh, Bob Dylan and John the Baptist. But it's a, it's an honest admission of guilt. That's what repentance is. You have to acknowledge the, the truth about yourself or something in particular. 
uh, in order to repent or just about yourself in general? Did you um, watch the, the, the TV program Friday Night Lights when it was on several years ago? If you haven't, you know, I'd, there's so much TV out there, but there, there's, this is one program that I can go and say, go on your Netflix queue now and, uh, and rent it and binge watch Friday Night Lights, which was about uh, high school football in, in, in Texas, but it wasn't. It was about everything else. I mean, it was about high school football in Texas, but it was about so much more. And there's this line that uh, Coach Taylor has, the, the coach of the team, that he, he chants to them, and it's a sort of call and response. If you saw this, you remember, uh, he would say, clear eyes, full hearts, and they would yell back, can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And that had something to do with uh, his approach to football, but it's really a great sort of motto of life, especially as a, as a Christian, to, to see reality with clear eyes and not murky eyes. You know, take the log out of your own eye and see yourself in reality clearly. And at the same time, with a fullness of heart, with love and compassion, because it's so dang easy to see reality with truth and be judgmental, isn't it? To lack compassion, you know, uh, <laughs> look at him or her, you know, that's the great thing about someone like Bishop Salmon is even though he can make me feel uncomfortable sometimes, he is so full of compassion and has a, a, a full heart. And really that's, um, you've got to imagine that's what John the Baptist was like. I mean, he had clear eyes, and, and we read that so clearly here, but he had a full heart. He was bringing the good news about God and Jesus Christ. And if this is true with John, even more so with Jesus Christ, because remember that John came to pave the path, uh, to be a forerunner to Jesus, to prepare people to hear and understand uh, what Jesus was doing. Uh, and uh, John says uh, in Luke 3, one who is more powerful than I is coming. If, I, if John is powerful in these ways, Jesus is even more so. For example, consider Jesus's interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well, which is a, a well-known story um, that I probably don't need to rehash for you. Uh, but it's a, a woman whose life is obviously sinful um, and Jesus paints that picture clearly with her. He has an interaction with her uh, that is seen through clear eyes. Uh, and yet it's also one with compassion, uh, with a, a full heart, so much so that when she left, do you remember what she said to everyone? She said, come see a man who told me everything that I did. Like as if with joy, <laughs> come see a man who knows me through and through. Uh, I mean, who really wants that? You know, I mean, who wants to really I, 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 it's difficult for me to expose those most vulnerable places in my life. And yet Jesus um, opens her up and with compassion so much so that she says, come to him and see this man who told me everything I ever did. He knew the truth about her even when she was lying to herself and demonstrated that truth yet with a, a full heart and compassion, uh, even though, uh, you know, these things were despicable, she felt loved and not condemned. Let me tell you a quick story and then a, a brief thought, and then I'll wrap this up. Um, 
Do you know I I I proposed to my wife multiple times, um, and the first time she said she didn't say no, she said not yet, um, and that is because I was um, it was my proposal the first time was coming out of a place of anxiety and fear. It was too premature, and I was afraid to lose her, and that was. Um, that was clear to me in the moment, and it was clear to her. And yet, um, you can imagine how I felt. <laughs> Just uh, my, my guts torn out of me. I mean, that's, that's basically how I felt. I, I didn't even want to be in her presence anymore because I felt rejected. Um, and... Uh, and it, it was the thing that just sort of occupied me, especially that day, but for the days and weeks to come. I couldn't really think about anything else. And how much of a loser was I that I proposed to this girl? And she basically said no. She eventually said yes, we're married, and have children. Thank God. But the thing is, um, even in that not yet, it was, um, it, it, it was compassionate. Um, uh, and she saw the reality of the situation better than I did. Um, and, and, uh, but still, in the moment, you know, I, I really I felt terrible about it and uh, was beating myself up about that one thing. And still, to this day, when it comes up in conversation, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I can talk to you about it from the pulpit because I can own it. But when it comes up at a cocktail party, say, I, um, I'm just like, Holly, do you, do, you, do you need to tell that story? Um, but um, <laughs> because I, was, cause I felt like I failed. Um, my friend uh, Nick Lannon, who uh, is, a, is, a, is a minister in Louisville, Kentucky, um, he's been here. He preached at this service, you remember, about a year ago. He has the, the best Facebook presence um, because Facebook is a place that, like I've said before, is nothing but meaningless banter, really. I mean, it is nothing but lies. It's not seeing uh, reality with clear eyes, and nor is it really having much of a full heart. Uh, it's uh, it really, when it comes down to it, it's sort of almost a really dark place. It is a really dark place. Uh, and yet, in the midst of that, a light shines in the darkness on a daily basis with these pithy things that my friend Nick posts. Um, that are uh, sort of two-sentence pro- two proclamations of the gospel. And recently, back in December, he wrote this one. And, he, and this is all he writes. There's no image. It's just this, like two sentences. There's no context, no scripture reference. He'll just put something like this up. Yes, that too, that one awful thing that threatens to convince you that you're outside the reach of God's grace, Christ's blood covers it completely. Let me read that again and and, and just uh, let that wash over you. Let Nick speak to you through me uh, reading his Facebook post. Yes, that too, that one awful thing that threatens to convince you that you're outside the reach of God's grace, Christ's blood covers it completely. So, you know, I ask you then tonight, what's that something? What's that one thing? What's the, uh, the worst thing, perhaps, that you feel convicted of or guilty about uh, in your history or particularly right now? What is that one thing, that one awful thing that threatens to convince you that you're outside the reach of God's grace? Um, and I beg you to please, as Bob Dylan said, or as someone like John the Baptist might say, or especially would know that Jesus Christ himself would say, crawl out from under that chaos and fly above it. 
allow him to pull you out from that chaos and to fly above it and to see not only the world, but uh, the truth about your own life with clear and honest eyes, even that one thing, and know that even still you are not outside the reach of God's grace. The good news is, and this is my final thought, that you are totally known through and through, and yet completely loved. Amen.